Welcome to HB RV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host with the most, the Honey Badger, here to give it to you straight and transparent about the RV business as well as other things. And today's episode, I got to give a little bit of disclaimer. First off, I'm going to stop cussing as much. Half a dozen of you this week sent me an email asking me not to cuss. I go, you don't cuss on your main channel. We understand why you are because it's ad-libbed and it's not really scripted. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to make a conscious effort to stop cussing, okay? But this episode may still offend people. If you're easily offended or easily triggered and you can't handle the truth and a shot between the eyes, whether you're the manufacturer or the customer or repair person or dealership, you probably don't want to listen to this episode or watch it on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to cover uh, two subjects today that are very deep and involved. One of them being the fact that RVs are recreational vehicles, not houses. I'm going to give you the distinction between the two because there is a lot of BS out there, a lot of horse manure and malarkey on the internet about that. And I'm going to take a page out of Liz Amazing's book. They should be built better than a high-end hot rod vehicle. They should be built better than a Lamborghini or a Porsche. So I'm going to debunk all that crap. Okay, I'm going to debunk it and give the manufacturer a shot between the eyes. And then I'm going to give you the hard truth as the customer. Because I think the expectations need to be brought down back to earth. And I'm going to go into my own personal story about that as well. The other thing I'm going to cover at the end, you're going to want to stick around for this. I have been contacted. I'm not going to tell you who they are because I signed a non-disclosure agreement. I've been reached out by 15 full-time RVers on YouTube looking to sell their rigs and they are absolutely buried and hammered in them. But I'm going to explain to you why they're getting out of it. I'm not going to give you their explanation necessarily. I'll give a little bit here and there, but I can't disclose who they are because they haven't announced it on YouTube yet. But I want to give you kind of, it's not the dark side of full-timing. It's a kind of a reality of full-timing because it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend you do it at least once in your life for at least two or three years. I don't think it's something you should do for 20 years, but you know you should experience it for two to three years. Because there's certain things that occur over a two or three year period where you start feeling like you need a home, and I'll get into that later, okay? First off, I'm sorry. I know you guys don't want to hear this, but anyone that thinks that an RV should be built to the standard and quality of a home, that's very delusional, okay? First off, I want to start with the acronym, RV, Recreational Vehicle. 
I don't care if it's Mobile Suites, Riverstone, Solitude, Jayco, Pinnacle. I don't care if it's the living vehicle out of Santa Barbara. I don't care if it's Airstream. They are recreational vehicles. They are not houses. And here's the distinction between the two. This is what I want you to understand. First off, your house is on a foundation that does not voluntarily move. You don't voluntarily go and pick up your house, hook it up to your car and or your truck and tow it away to another spot. Number two is when you're building a house, there are codes that have to be involved. Don't get me wrong. But unless there's a law against it, you can make your house as wide and as many square feet as humanly possible. RVs are limited to two inch thick sidewalls. Some have a three inch. And they're limited to 102 inches wide. That's the widest it can be. It can't get any wider because there are states when you get past 102 inches, you need a commercial driver's license and a dually diesel truck. Does everybody have that? No. Small percentage of Americans, small percentage of Canadians have a 3500 dually diesel and a class A license, class A commercial license. So think about that for a second. You need to appeal to a mass audience, which is only 20-25% of the U.S. population. And most of them have a light-duty truck or a half-ton truck. So how do you make it fit within the manufacturer specs of the truck? Because nowadays there are laws. have to have electric brakes. Back when my grandfather was towing his 19-foot all-steel frame travel trailer, he was doing it with a Cadillac Eldorado. That was really dumb. But in 1974, that was normal. I wouldn't do that. Hell no, I wouldn't do that. But in 1974, it was normal. Big, huge sedan cars were towing travel trailers. Now, some people argue with me in the comments section and say, well, just a better built car back then. No, they were gas guzzlers. They were heavy. Everything was heavy and steel. The technology wasn't there to lighten them up. Both the vehicle and the travel trailer. Now, my grandfather's 1960 Continental Travel Trailer, the cabinets are still in great shape because they're real wood. Everything else is falling apart because it's a recreational vehicle. They have a lifespan. The lifespan of the 1960 Continental was about 10 years. My grandfather got 15 out of it because he takes really good care of his stuff. My mother now owns it. And now all it gets done is stuffed with storage because realistically it shouldn't be towed. My brother even says, my brother towed it with his F-150. 
Zeppelin 50 tows 10,000 pounds. The trailer is a 19-foot trailer that weighs 7,000 dry. He said the axle is not even close. And he says with no braking system on it, good luck. So you, you, there, there, there has to be some reasonability to understand that they are built for camping, not for living. Let's start with that. Number two, the ones that are built for full timing, you have to have the big expensive truck. Mobile suites. Now, I don't personally sell mobile suites. I used to 10 years ago. Between that, the Forest River Riverstone, the Redwood RV, the living vehicle out of Santa Barbara, a lot of your Airstreams, they are more built for full timing than the Solitude, the Sabre, the Flagstaff or Rockwood. The Solitude is not a four-season coach. The Forest River Sabre, I sell Sabre. It's not a four-season coach. You could slap the stupid sticker on there all you want. It ain't four-season. My Keystone Cougar fifth wheel. I don't sell them, but I bought it. Has an Arctic package. We still freeze our buns off inside the fifth wheel in 10 degree weather. The furnace never shut off until we did a lot of stuff to that fifth wheel to get it to be able to be lived in. Living in a fifth wheel, living in an RV is a lot of work. So if you feel like it should be built like a house, there are people who are quitting the RV lifestyle that built their own rig. And I'm going to tell you, I've had conversations. I had conversations with five full-time RVers that bought an older rig, tore it down, and built their own. Because they felt the quality of what was coming out of the factories was garbage. Okay, I'm in. The first couple I talked to about it, they don't want to talk about it right now because they have brand deals that they're still getting paid on. They spent very little to buy the travel trailer. And they spent $40,000 building it. And you know what they told me? Even with him being a carpenter and a construction guy and a perfectionist, he learned in the some odd years, I'll give it away if I tell you how many years, but in the some odd years, they've been on the road together. He told me straight up, it's an earthquake on wheels. He said, I've been listening to you for two years. And he goes, I want to tell you how full of crap you were. And then every time I would run into a problem. And he says, and I built it myself and I build houses for a living. By the way, that doesn't give it away either. There's over 75 guys that are construction house builders that are full-time RVers. That doesn't give it away. So publicly, 
they're not going to come out and say anything. Not until the end. I think once it gets to the end, they're going to come out and say it. Right? I had another guy, engineer, been living in a fifth wheel that he built himself and constructed himself. Not a YouTuber. And he even tells me how many issues he has. Because it's recreational vehicle. It is a earthquake on wheels. Now, let's go back a minute to Liz Amazing's comment she always makes. Well, you know, RVs should be built like Highline cars. Okay. How many of you owned a Highline car? Go, go ask a rich person that has a Lamborghini or a Ferrari in their, in their garage. Go ask them how much maintenance is to be able to keep the warranty together. Go ask them how many problems they have. There's a running joke with Jaguar. It's been a running joke for years. You have one Jaguar to drive around and one Jaguar in the garage just in case the first one breaks down. No vehicle, no vehicle of any kind is without problems or the possibility of problems because they're moving vehicles on wheels on roads. That's a fact of life. Now, that being said, does that mean that you shouldn't go buy an RV because they're all garbage? No. So I looked up a stat. I'm going to pull it up here. RV Lemon Law USA 2022. Okay. Here we go. So this is on uh, com. In 2022, the largest, second largest shipping year of all time, there were 317 total RVs that were lemon lot. There were 552,000 built. It's a pretty good ratio. Let's go back one step further. This is the worst one. 2021. In 2021, the Lemon Law was 1,613 were completed Lemon Laws in the United States of America. Now remember, some states don't have a Lemon Law. But 1,623 RVs were lemon lawed in 2021. There were 662,000 built. That's a really bad ratio to me. That's more than 2%. But still, that means that means you have a pretty good ratio. I always say no matter what you buy, I have said it for years. It doesn't matter if you go buy a used one. It doesn't matter if you buy a new one. 
You need to have a small toolkit with you. And you need to realize that something will go wrong. When you have the realization that something will go wrong, if it doesn't happen, you wonder what the hell happened, why did anything go wrong? And I'm not talking about major problems. I'm talking about there are things that are frustrating, like frustrating beyond frustrating, okay? You go on your first trip, you go take a shower, and the damn shower pan starts to leak. It didn't leak when you went and tested it when you picked it up, either from a private party or a dealer. But as soon as you went on your first trip, you went an hour and a half, two hours up the mountains into your favorite lake, sit there, have a great day of fishing, pop open a beer, get into the freaking shower, step in, take on the shower, and your floor is just soaking wet. What's the first call to whoever sold it to you? You sold me this big piece of crap. Now it's leaking everywhere. When are you going to come fix it? Guys, if it worked at the dealership or it worked at the at the person's house or the person where he was storing it that sold it to you, you know, private party purchase, have an understanding something is going to go wrong. If you carry a toolkit and fix it right then there, because most of the time it's loose piping, a loose wire, a fuse that burned out. I had a lady stop by today at the dealership. She just bought a, a took a rig with her, a uh, toy hauler with her. Everything worked when her and I did the walkthrough. She, I always make people step in the shower. I always make people turn on the water everywhere. And not for a quick second, for like a while. She comes back two days later and goes, I don't understand, my furnace isn't working. It's freaking cold in southern Nevada right now too, especially at night. I go, okay, bring it by. I brought it by, went in. Popped the little breaker thing, popped on the breaker and fuse panel. Look, there's the fuse. Pop the fuse, put a new one in. Boom, furnace works. She just looked at me like, wow, that was easy. And I go, yeah. And I said, but I thank you for being calm. Because some people just have a nightmare over it. It would be the worst thing that ever happened. Okay. I, I, you know, and, and where this comes from, guys, this comes from a place of a guy. Let me give you a little background why I'm telling you this. Because I was the guy as the salesperson that every time I sold a unit, I would have a panic attack. You have to understand, I came from an industry that I came from the security industry and the timeshare industry. I also dabbled in real estate. Before I got into the RV business 15 years ago. When I first got into this business. The first year. I drank like a fish. I drank like a fish. Because I was worried somebody's going to call me with a problem. Oh my god. Oh my god. Everything's going to go wrong. I was having pal heart palpitations. My eye would twitch because I was so stressed out and so stressed out because everything worked on the lot. Something's going to go wrong in the campground though. And, and customers could feel my panic. So I went and I spoke to a guy named Bob Tiffin. Bob Tiffin was the owner of Tiffin Motorhomes. 
and he saw me and he saw me on the heard me on the phone with the customer and i was having an absolute i was panicked like we gotta get this guy in now this guy's so mad this guy's so angry and bob tiffin pulled me into his office in good old alabama and sat me down and in front of his chair and him and i had a long conversation never forget it and bob gets on the phone he says hold on son i want you to sit here for these five phone calls he called five different Tiffin customers that were having major problems. Or at least they thought they were having major problems. And Bob would sit there and go, what state are you in, sir? Well, I'm out in Nevada or I'm out in Arizona. Well, I'll make you a deal. If the dealer can't fix it, then the next time that we have a show in your area and you're still unsatisfied... I will bring one of my technicians on the flight. I'll follow up with you and we'll fix it right then and there. Or you have another option, sir. You can bring it all the way to my factory here in Alabama. I'll put you up in a hotel or I'll put you at a campground here on the property. And we'll get it fixed for you. He had another customer who was just yelling at him over the phone. And he sat there and sat there, and then he put the phone down for a second. He says, when we're done, let me go get a beer. And walked over and grabbed a beer, came back over, sat back down. The guy finally calmed down. Sir, are you finally done being angry? Yes. Sir, is this your first motorhome you've ever owned or first RV of any kind? Yes. Okay, sir. So let me explain something to you. And went into this, converse, this nice, calm conversation. Like, hey, brother, that's the reason why I have a warranty on all my motorhomes. Because I know something's going to go wrong. He never said anything otherwise. Every time he was in front of customers. Every single time that a customer asked him a problem like, how good quality is this? It's great quality, sir. We do the best we can, but we know there's going to be problems. So that's why we make sure we give you a warranty. That's the reason why I'm picky about the dealers I actually set up to sell my motorhomes. To make sure I know that they can take care of the customer in service. The man was a genius. And after spending that whole afternoon with him, I went back to California, went back to Giant RV, and never had a panic attack again about a, selling a trailer. I, I became the man I am today right then and there after talking to him. This is an owner of probably one of the best quality RVs that was built for 10 years straight. Telling people straight out and flat out, the reason why we have a warranty is because we know there's going to be problems. We do the best we can to manufacture every motorhome with high quality, but we also know you're going to drive it on the road. And anything can happen on an earthquake on, with an earthquake on wheels. Th this is where... Yes, the quality can get better. Yes, the COVID BS. God, I want to say the other word. Uh, yes, COVID put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But here's the problem that I run into. S they say sex sells negativity sells 
bad crap sells. Go look at politicians. The way they try to get elected is pointing out all the negative stuff about their opponent. Go look at Fox News, CNN, ABC, NBC. They all lie through their teeth. And make every situation darker and worse because that keeps you glued to the television and keeps ringing the cashier till. Oh, you're, every time somebody says something negative like Sean Hannity or Anderson Cooper or George Stephanopoulos, it's chick-ching, 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 chick-ching. So anger and, and yelling and screaming about bad quality in the RV business sells like OnlyFans chicks channels sell. Okay, nobody comes out and says, we love our RV. It's great quality. We've never had problems. And when they do say that, they're ignored or they're told, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I get told that a lot. I get absolutely bashed and lambasted by about 15% of the RV life group. Why? Because a lot of people don't like to be told the truth. I had one lady that emailed me. She said she had just she had a laundry list of problems with five units in a row. That's really bad luck. I've never run into that. You have, and I wrote her back. And if she's still listening or still a fan, thank you for understanding. But I wrote her back and I said, Look, I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but it may not be the rigs, it might be you. Uh, I had a guy trade in a bunkhouse fifth wheel that I originally sold him, traded in for a toy hauler. He abuses his stuff. We walked into the, the fifth wheel he's owned for six months and it looks like he's owned it for 10 years. So that's why, like, I take a lot of the... There is bad quality. I'm not denying that. There's crappy quality. And believe me, I've been trying to get the RV manufacturer heads to come on my podcast so that way I could give them a piece of my mind. But I also want to tell you that that's not every rig. Not every year model, not every rig, not every brand, not every manufacturer. Airstream has had lemon laws. Tiffin has had lemon laws. Everybody has had lemon laws. So, but not every rig is bad. Okay. All right. So segue into this. So I've got, there are now the ones I know of. There's 15 full-time RVers that are quitting the full-time RV life. They contacted me asking me how they would go about, how they should go about selling their rig. Now, 
They're asking me because five of the people are in the van life. And now I'm not going to name them out of respect. But the five of them, especially since they trusted me with this information, but the five of them <clears throat> have been, let's say they've been faking the van life for the last six months. They've been in it for two, two and a half years. One has been on a lot longer than that. And they've been, all of them have basically been faking it for the last six months at the minimum. And what they're doing is they're staying in hotels. Because they can't, they can't stay in the van anymore. Now these are folks that built their van. Uh, they went out and bought the, the basic van, whether they bought it used or new. And they built their own RV out of it. Now one of them told me that she's $70,000 to build it and to fix the maintenance over the last several years has cost her another 50. So she's $130,000 into this van. And she asked me what I think I could what she could sell it for. Well, I told her, well, right now the van market's about $30,000. That's the market. That's where people are able to sell their vans because there's a lot of people out there that have $30,000, $35,000 cash looking to buy a Class B type of motorhome. <clears throat> and I said, the only way you're going to get more is if we find out how much we can finance on the van itself. So what I did was I went down and ran the VIN number and the wholesale book on the van is $14,000. That's how much the van is worth. And she's like, you mean they won't get an RV loan? No. Didn't somebody tell you this? Well, yeah, I listened to your video about it once, but I thought you were full of shit. Oh, sorry, I cussed. And I told her over the phone, I said, well, this is the biggest problem that people are going to run to with the van life. You're, you're, you, you pretty much need to write all the money off. So what I told her was, and this is the best advice I told everybody that built their van. Don't sell it. Rent it. So this is the best advice I could humanly give anybody that's quitting the van life or you built your own van. Don't sell it. Rent it for a while until someone offers to buy it from you. Here's the reason why. You're never going to get even close to the money that you put into it. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> Now, some of you go, well, some people would be willing to buy that. Yeah, but how many people are willing to write a check with the knowledge that your van conversion is worth dog piss to a bank? Now, she told me, knowing what she knows now and listening to my 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 
regular YouTube channel and now she's on the podcast as well. She told me with the knowledge if I had the knowledge that you've been giving out, I would have bought an RV van. I would have bought a, a pleasure way, a road trek or a Winnebago Travato. She goes, yeah, I probably would have not gotten exactly what I built. But she says I would have recovered a lot more of my money. Um, I got in contact with a, a, a family that lives in a fifth wheel toy hauler. Very popular YouTuber. And... Uh, They're in an awkward situation. But for the most part, I gave them all my advice. But let's get into what I was really going to talk about because I'm fading off fading off into the sunset here and, and going off in another direction. Full-time RVing becomes very rough on the body, the mind and the soul, after you've accomplished what you want to accomplish. <clears throat> Okay. So I've been off and on living in a travel trailer or fifth wheel for the last four years. Pretty much since COVID. There are nights I don't sleep. There are nights where I sit up and go, did I really just choose to live in a sardine can? Um, you know, when, when my, my shower pan here sprung a leak in the middle of the night while I'm trying to take a shower. You know, having to fix that in the middle of the night, not fun. That's why I use that that analogy earlier in the show the, the full-time RVing is something that I loved for about the first two years because the first two two and a half years have been amazing this last year year and a half have been well actually let's let's say since June of 2023 it's been really rough. Um, people think I'm getting grayer because of stress at work and family life and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm getting grayer because I live in an RV, it feels like. There is a... You, you start to wonder what it would be like to sleep in a normal bed, to take a normal shower. So for me to break up the monotony, <clears throat> I do go stay in a hotel every once in a while. Now I have the points from my days as a coachman travel trailer rep that I was able to break up the monotony and use a Hilton type of hotel like the Hampton Inn where I feel like I get water pressure and a decent bed. So the reason why people burn out is because especially when you combine being a YouTuber and you combine full-time RVing, now you're trying to be a content creator and run a dealership and be a full-timer 
in some cases for a lot of these folks they went on the road they decided to work from home or work work mobily on their job with their engineer or they're doing something uh, administrative wise or whatever the case may be it, it, it's there, there gets a point where you're like you miss your two-car garage there's a certain point where you miss coming into your home and getting incre incredible water pressure and you know when you're using the bathroom and you have to go you have to go take a dump or take a poop you don't feel like everybody and their mama's going to hear you and smell you so you know at first it's like you get you get over it you can enjoy it you enjoy the lifestyle that's my wife she's done she's tired of it Talked to her the other day. She's done living in a fifth wheel. She had a blast doing it. But come this summer, she's done. The kids have told me they're done. We live in a 43-footer up there. And they're done. And that's okay. They got the experience. Nobody, I mean, how many people can say they had the experience? It's about building memories and building experiences. It's something you should experience at least one time. Whether it's for six months, a year, two years. However long you can do it, do it. And then go back to regular camping. Go back to regular weekends or regular two-week vacation or whatever. So, anyway, until next time, have a good one.